Hey guys, thanks for making it back. Get ready for a very fun-filled episode of Brews and Builds and part two of part one of second half. Ah, just go on with the episode. All right, Brando, what do you got for round 11? All right, I'm going with a sweet sorcery. I know this might be like a, an auto-included in a deck like this, but I'm going with Scrap Mastery. What? Scrap Mastery, sorcery, red, red, three. Each player exiles all artifact calls from their graveyard. Oh, you're so rude. Then sacrifices all artifacts they control and puts the... They basically switch the artifacts they have in play with the ones that are in their graveyard. So this is, we've been playing our stuff, people hate it, we get Vandal blasted, and then we make them pay. <laughs> I love how you specifically pointed Vandal Blast. You're like, we get Vandal Blast, so we make them pay. Was this a story or something that had happened to you at a young age where you got Vandal Blasted and just felt like you weren't allowed to have fun? I have been tilted directly out of this dimension by Vandal Blasts before. It, <laughs> it, it hurts me to admit how badly I've been destroyed by Vandal Blasts before. And it was actually right when Scrap Mastery came out and it's like, because... The guy that kills you inevitably has all those artifacts, right? And like, I'm so oh, of course, I'm so good at this. And you're like, nah, bud, because like everybody else gets to rebuild, and they get screwed, they get messed up, and now they're the bad guy, and you're the good guy. And in this particular deck with Zavaz, if you have any artifacts in play that you don't want to exile or sack with the Scrap Mastery, you can use Zavaz to kill them. And then just get them back, right? Like I feel like you feel real cute about this. Like you're like, oh yeah, I'm doing this. No one's gonna hate on me. I'm just like sacking your bullshit. Oh no, they are. They, rid of it. Well, it's fine. Well, we're we're definitely gonna be in deep shit when we play this card. <laughs> but it's gonna be so worth it. Because I'm like, oh, I can't believe you got us so hard. Oh my god. But, but you did, and you really did. Well. My rounding out round 11 is so much more of an asshole card, but it's pretty hilarious, and okay. I think you're here for it. I am. You got printed in Mirrodin. Uh, it's a dollar eighty nine gate to the aether. We're talking six colorless artifact rare at the beginning of each player's upkeep. That player reveals the top card of his or her library. If it's an artifact creature or enchantment or land card, that player may put it into play. Yeah, bros. Instead of instant sorcery or planeswalker, you're getting anything off the top of your deck, which is pretty fantastic. And you know how you make that even more compounded? I'm not talking about it. I know Brando's not. No, your sensei's divining top. Like, this is just the perfect combo card with that for seven mana. I'm going to get to play anything I want off the top. You ever played uh, Plane Chase? Oh, I absolutely have. And it's an absolute nightmare. Do you like being on the Maelstrom? Because that's what this is. Oh. It's incredible. Oh, that's terrible. This is a card, again, like, I think even, especially in this particular deck that we're building right here today, this is another one of those cards that's going to make the game super fun for everybody. People are going to see this and go, oh, I like that. I'm happy you played that. And it's going to just stick around. And stuff is just going to happen. And maybe we're going to get blown out because we played it. But who cares? Maybe. Right? Because it's going to be worth it. And I, I super love cards like this because they do that sort of... They really up the variance factor in a game of Magic, which is why I like to play it. Right? Every game is different. And this game is yeah, going to absolutely. It's gonna make that different very different. Oh, yeah. This is the type of card that's kind of like the... Uh, 
you know, confusion in the ranks. Mm -hmm. It's just absolute chaos. Just you do something. You have to think 39 steps ahead. And we're in Boros. We don't want to think. We just want stuff to happen. Exactly. So what's the worst that can happen? Oh, Oh, well, I'm going to get a land. I'm going to whiff on this sorcery. Oh, Blightsteel Colossus. Ah, shit. What's the worst that can happen? Oh, you could lose. Oh, that is the worst that could happen. And that's what this does. Oh, I'm going to lose a game of Magic the Gathering? Oh, no. Right. What are we going to do? Play another game of Magic the Gathering, right? Like, that sounds terrible. I never want to do that ever. I'm here for one game and that's it. <laughs> but I want to win for this one game. Yes, exactly. All right, guys. Round 13. Brando, I don't know if you've ever taken an oath in your life outside of maybe sacrimonial vows, but an oath of lieges is quite powerful. Colorless white for 10 bucks. Oath of Lieges is an enchantment at the beginning of each player's upkeep. That player chooses target player who controls more lands than they do and is their opponent. The first player may search the library for a basic land card and put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle. Look, this is Brando's first draft. He doesn't know how we come at it. We want some grain in here. We need some ramp. We want you to have an elevated deck. So Oath of Lieges is a very interesting group hug card where it's like, hey, bros. Everyone gets to ramp. I get to ramp at the end of you guys' turns. Is that okay? Oh, that's okay? Okay, I'll ramp as well. And then if you ever feel like it, you get rid of it at some point. But you know what? Oath of Lieges can do some work. The whole time you were talking, I was just thinking to myself, why Why isn't he just playing land tax? Why isn't he put Then you brought it back. It's, it's a group hug card. It costs less yeah. monetarily than a land tax. And I, th- yes. I think it works for other players, right? Yes, it absolutely does. And here's the cool thing, Brando, is it does say basic. So it doesn't empower the, uh, let's call them, quote-unquote, rude players when they have their dual lands and their shocks and all that stuff. Like, it's basic lands. So even if the person's playing five-color, I do the expensive mana base, you get nothing out of it. Or they'll get their, like, two basic forests that they play to get through the Blood Moon River, right? Yeah, yeah. I love stuff like that. I like it, it rewards people for not playing the greedy mana base. It really does. And that's pretty cool. And there's always going to be that one ramp asshole at the table, right? Always going to be. Yep. And technically, here's a cool thing about it, guys. For $9.39, you get this piece of magic art from Exodus. Or for, God, 30 or sorry, $24, you get a land tax. I mean, yeah. I think I might spend 30 or sorry, 70% less to get a card that'll probably do me the same thing as land tax. Because you know what, Brando? How many times have we played land tax? You get it once or twice, and then you're done. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't get anything. And yes, for you as a Magic player, that might be the end of your goal. But how much more chaos could you ensue if it was like, hey, opponent, what if you also got basic lands when I couldn't? We're not playing this at a com- at like a competitive level either. Like we're not playing this at no CEDH tables, right? No, you, of course not. You want the game to be fun, and if everybody gets to play, like if the guy who's mana hosed, he's gonna owe you one, man, because you got him back yep. in the game. And I think that that counts for something in the game outside the game, which you're definitely gonna be winning with this more than land tax. Was like I'm just gonna draw three cards and thin my deck real quick. Excuse me, yep. guys, right? Like. Balls that. And and to add on what Brando is saying, that's why I really like Spectral Searchlight. You get to add a mana of any color to your mana pool. It costs three, so it's just like every other mana lift out there. Yeah. But on the one chance where it's like, hey, Brando, 
I know you miss a land drop. If I gave you a green, could you Kadama's reach and not be fucked? Yeah. You might be like, yes, that would be huge. And you know what it is? It's like, hey, remember that later. May not be this game, may not be the next, Ooh. but he will remember that for the next attempt. You're going to time machine that into the next game, hey? I like that. Ooh, there we yeah, go. There, there, I like that. Well, uh, Brando, why don't you give us your round 12 pick? We're going to go back on the Zabaz Beats train and jump aboard the Ramp Express, choo-choo, and we're going to gain life, and we're going to play a Forsaken Monument. Ooh. Forsaken Monument is a legendary artifact for five. I guess it's a mythic. It costs $4.50 American cents. <laughs> colorless creatures you control get plus two, plus two. Whenever you tap a permanent for colorless mana, you get an additional colorless mana, and... Whenever you cast a colorless spell, you gain two life. Well, that just seems unfair, Brando. How in the world could they make this thing so good? <laughs> well, because back in the days, they were printing into more reprint equity, and they want cards that are eventually going to be sought after that they can reprint five years from now. What? And it'll they sell packs. I don't mean that. And I don't mean to be cynical or expose a business <laughs> model or anything, but I think that's why stuff like this happened. Because this is a card that... It costs six bucks. It's so good. It fits in this deck, maybe not every other deck, but it is one of those cards that you're going to see it in a binder somewhere and you're just going to want to pick it up because eventually it's going to be good. And by the time it's like that blow the whole deck out of the water, break the game wide open cards, it's going to cost you 40 bucks. So grab them now. I'm not saying they're going to be a huge yeah. investment. You're going to retire on them. But I think a Forsaken Monument now, yeah, pick them up because you're going to play them. And they're going to cost you more later. I literally can't disagree with anything that you've said. Um, here's here's the way that really to look at this card, guys. Five mana is a lot, but we also run Gilded Lotus quite a bit. It is colorless specific, but think about how many colorless things you have in your deck that could probably work off of this. And that's really where I'd leave it. Yes, Forsaken Monument doesn't make sense in Skull Clamp decks, because usually those are colorless creatures that you're trying to Skull Clamp and die. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you take it in the other 80% of use cases, this card for a little less than 5 bucks makes a whole lot of sense. So I'd grab them up, even if you're unsure where to do with them, because this will probably be, and Brando, correct me if you think I'm wrong, this will probably be a $10 commander card within the next couple years. I would imagine so. I can see it going up, unless, again, it sees a, a significant reprint, or, mm -hmm. and this is a big or, Watsy just decides they don't like colorless creatures anymore. Oh, that's fair. Right? Like, are they... Oh, yeah. Are they going to do that, though? I feel like we're probably okay on that yeah so i'd place a bet on this card being good i would agree with that all right brando give us your 13th round pick so we're already uh talking counters we're already talking about gaining life with forsaken monument how about a heliod the sun crown most expensive card i'm going to suggest tonight i mean that just seems a little combo-y but i'm sure you'll explain how this isn't a combo deck no i'm gonna i said this i was oh now he's gonna play walking ballista no <laughs> i'm not gonna play walking ballista heliod sun crown is a five five legendary enchantment creature god for white two totally on rate totally fair and balanced magic card uh it's got devotion to white you, you honestly if I have my way. This thing's never going to be a creature. <laughs> Whenever you gain life, you put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature or enchantment you control. So it goes directly onto Zabaz. We've got a, a couple of instances of incidental life gain in the deck, and it has 
white one target creature gains lifelink until end of turn. So Zabaz is in, you give him lifelink, you swing in for seven or eight, because he's huge now, you're going to gain seven or eight, and put a counter on Zabaz. It's just a cool Voltron card that, I mean, yeah, costs some money, and if you, let's say you play this deck, you like it, but you don't like the way we've built it, you can just drop some money on a Walking Ballista, and now you've got another two-card infinite combo that people are going to just give you the finger for every time you play it. And also, I look at it like this, Brando. Heliod Suncrowned, it is a very specific combo commander, because that's just like, let's be honest, that's the box that the community has put him in. That's like, hey, you're a combo guy. Even if I see you and someone's like, oh, I'm doing Heliod Tribal. It's like, no, you're a combo deck. We just put them in that box. I think with something like this build, very much like I've talked about throughout the episode where, hey, I'm not a combo deck. I'm not a Boros Voltron deck. I am whatever the fuck I want to be deck. And I think having Heliod Suncrowned in the 99, very much like Sword of X, Y, and Z, or other types of cards we might get into, really, really fit because it shows that just because a commander is legendary doesn't mean that it is the deck that you think it is and i think that's something that our community has really struggled with because a lot of people see a heliod sun crown in the command zone they're like oh you're trying to combo out and it's like no i'm not i'm trying to do bullshit cmdr tower comp or you know jank bullshit i think that this is one of those decks and cards too where if you played it in this deck most people are going to look at it and go what the hell are you even playing that for exactly why is that even in here nobody's going to think you're going to do combo crap with this Unless, of course, they immediately assume you're playing Walking Ballista. And if you have a group of friends that are going to believe you when you tell them something, then they will. Then it's not an issue. It's just right? like, go on with it. Yeah, and I mean, it's not like you're playing a ton of tutors or whatever either. Like, could you, could you find the Walking yeah. Ballista even if you're playing it? So far, the answer is no. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, Brando. The answer is yes, but it's a gamble because we're going to play Gamble. Oh, no. Uh, no, that's not my card. Uh, <laughs> that was just a funny segue uh, for round 14. I am talking about Martyr's Bond. Oh. Four colorless, white, white enchantment. It's a rare. You can get it for about 38 cents. Whenever Martyr's Bond or another non-land permanent you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a permanent that shares a card type with it. Ooh, this is a beater. Oh, so here's the thing, though, buddy. This is a card I love. It's so spicy. It's so salty. It's everything I want in a magic card. But it is six mana, and if it's six mana and it gets countered, you get nothing. Six mana, disenchant, you get one thing for six mana, which is better rates out there. Wouldn't you agree that you have to probably get three quote-unquote triggers off of this to make it worth it? I don't judge cards quite like that, but I suppose if you're looking, okay. at, I, I suppose if you're looking at mana to value you got off of it, I suppose, yeah, you'd probably need three, because that's three disenchants, right? If you play this, sack yeah. a treasure token, everybody's going to sack an artifact. There, it's paid for itself. Yeah. But if you look at it like, hey, I played this super threatening enchantment, and they burn their enchant removal on it, now they don't have that piece of removal anymore, and that, I think, counts Very for fair. something sometimes, too. Maybe less for us, because we're not playing a ton of enchantments so far, but I like Martyr's Bond. I mean, people get so mad about Grave Pact. They forget about Martyr's Bond. Oh, this is so much worse. It's so much worse. It's 100% worse. It's worse in every way. 
that it could be worse. And people are like, ah, Martyr's Bond, whatever, it's Martyr's Bond. <laughs> it's like, are you... Ooh, whatever, it's a white card, who cares? Oh, Grave Pact, it's black, it must be bad. Yeah, yeah, look... No, you fuckers. The white card's way worse. Oh, yeah, it's way worse for everybody, and it costs way less monetarily. Because Grave Pact's yes. like 40 bucks, like, they're lots now. Jeez. Yeah, people could pick up 10 Martyr's Bonds for the cost of a Grave Pact, guys. Yeah. Just remember that. No, sorry. Maybe even more than that. It's just, it's a ton... It's stupid, it's filthy, Martyr's Bond is good, and with the way that I want to build this deck is I'm going to take your artifact, I'm going to sacrifice it to Zabaz, which is going to make Martyr's Bond make you sacrifice. So the one thing I took from you actually made you lose two things. I think that's a win-win scenario. That's like that scene in Under Siege where it's like, gentlemen, if you resist, we will kill you and the man next to you. It's, it's just like, because <laughs> it messes up the one guy that you stole the thing from and then his two buddies next to him. Yeah, fuck you guys, too. Yeah, all I thought of was the, uh, oh, God, Brando. Maybe you've seen this. It was that Russian roulette movie where I think it had, like, oh, God. It's like some Marvel guy, but everyone, like, goes in. It's like an underground fight ring type thing. But what it is is everyone puts a revolver to their heads, and they all pull the trigger at the same times, and random people die, random people live. That's just the way it works. I think Dakota Fanning's in it. It's absolute nonsense. There was a scene like Chaos. that in Gotham, but that's that's as far as I remember with that. You ever see? Oh, dude. Watch Gotham? Gotham? We're going to have to talk about that offline. Uh, the Joker, Cameron Ma Mahogan? Sure. Mahagan? Sure. Yeah, he did a great job. He was so good. I think he did too. Underrated. Underrated performance by that man. Absolutely. And you know what else is underrated? Is no. round 14 and arc bound. I can't believe you guys didn't pick it before me. Ravager. I knew one of you guys was going to pick it. It's on my list too. I had to. And here's the reason, guys. Arcbound Ravager, two colorless, zero, zero, modular one. So when ETBs, it gets a plus one, plus one counter. When it dies, you may put its plus one, plus one counter on a target creature. But the reason I actually put it to my deck, Brando, is the sacrifice and artifact colon. And yes, I just punched that in. <laughs> put a plus one, plus one counter on Arcbound Ravager. My whole strategy with Zabaz is to take my opponent's best 75% artifacts and sacrifice them in the most efficient way possible. So if I need to spend a sorcery to get it and then sack it to Arcbound Ravager, great. If I need to use an activated ability to steal it, then use my commander to sacrifice it or destroy it, great. That's all I'm looking to do. I'm looking to get rid of all your artifacts. I am a stacks deck and Boros. I'm looking to ruin your lives and the lives of your children. I love it. I'm, I'm right there with you. That was all the reasons that I was going to play Arcbound Ravager, but I wasn't stealing shit. So it works oh. This card in the deck, the way I had conceptualized it, it's like, well, it works the same way as the Ozolith, sort of, where you're swinging kind it of, with Zabaz, yeah. well, he's going to die, so I'll sack Zabaz, and I'll put all of his counters on the Arcbound Ravager, plus one, because I sacked okay. the Arcbound Ravager. And then you can play the Zabaz out again. You can set, you know what I mean? Like you can move the counters around. It's just another repository or safety net to to catch all of the value that you've been working so fucking hard on. Also, Arcbound Ravager was strong enough to ruin Standard for years. So it's good enough for this deck, right? It just is. I don't know if you were playing back then, but I was, and it was a nightmare. No, I, I wasn't playing then. Um, when I was playing was when my Golgari deck with the escape mechanic was really kicking ass 
And then, you know, I came across what's called Elemental Five Colors with Omnath. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just so they'd have like 39 Elementals into the battlefield at the same time, get a bitch, a bunch of triggers, and I just want to quit and cry. So I, 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 I literally did that. You I, just, I you just quit and cry. <laughs> Quit and cry. Quit and cry. Both. both. Yeah, it's very important that you get them both together. If I just quit, I seem like a sore loser. If I just cry, I seem way too sensitive. If I quit and cry, it really gives some context. It, it really shows your opponent, like, yo, man, you got me. You got me, bro. You got me, is what that says yeah. to me. I mean, I, I am in here, like, hitting the button on my bidet to shoot water in my eyeballs just to stop the tears and <laughs> give some semblance of normalcy. I'm with it. But, uh, Brando, round 14, what is your pick outside of Arcbound Ravager? Do you have something that'd be a little bit spicier? You want spicier? Well, I've got a... How about a card that I just play in decks because I like it? It has virtually no bearing on this deck at all. I think you forgot, though. We already played Brash Taunter. Oh. I mean, we already have that card in here. Well, then let's play another one. Brash Taunter is a win condition all in himself just by being in the deck. Let's talk about a card that isn't that in Parhelion 2. Oh my god. Right? The fucking vehicle. Yes, sir. The 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 eight mana five five <laughs> flying first strike vigilance vehicle that when it attacks, it makes two, count them two, four four vigilance angels that are also attacking. So let's say your Zabaza is too small to get That's in, filthy. but he is, he's also a four four. Well, now you're swinging in for what is it? Thirteen instead but brando you're forgetting the idea is supposed to be you get the angels and you use them to crew parhelion 2 not for you to go in here and whoop some ass just because you feel like it <laughs> well that's that's not how i live my life okay it's a heavy sack beating every time with brando that's how it is you're building a deck with me now we're gonna hit the 13 that's what we're gonna do and the next turn it's gonna be 17 and then 21 and then everybody's going, oh my god, I can't believe they beat me with that 22 cent rare. Fuck. Uh, or more, it's like, oh, I can't believe my butthole puckered in for 22. <laughs> and then some old geezer out of the corner comes in and is like, yeah, you knew it. It's like, yeah, I did. <laughs> so why don't you talk more about Parhelion 2? Parhelion 2 is just one of those cards that sometimes I just put it in decks because I know I'm going to have a creature with four power at some point. And sometimes you just need... You just need a way to do, this is going to sound ridiculous, 10 damage. You, just, you need to do 10 damage to somebody, and this is a way that's going to do it. It's got evasion, it proliferates itself, and after you swing with it once, it, it's a self-contained army-creating machine. And sure, it sucks up some removal and stuff sometimes, but it dodges wraths. And it's another thing where in our deck, where our commander is an artifact, it's going to take out that all-important targeted artifact removal that could have been meant for Zabaz that we can then sneak in and commander damage somebody to death because they were going to get 13 to death instead. Yeah, the only negative behind Parhelion 2 is the CMC to cast it, the 8. Oh yeah, it costs 8. If it was any other mana, even give it 6, you'd be like, oh yeah, I'd probably run this in most white decks because it's so powerful. It's the, I think the ideal situation is you play it for 8, you're able to give it haste, you swing... You get your two four fours, even if this dies, you're okay with it. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I ate up removal, and I still have eight power on the board. I'm okay with that. I still paid eight, 
and got eight power worth of dudes on two bodies. Yep. You want to give it haste? Oh, I would love to give it haste. Oh, and maybe we'll find out about that later. Maybe we could play a, uh, a reckless Stormseeker. Well, that seems reckless. Oh, it, it definitely is. It's a human werewolf. I hate werewolves, but I like this one. With a jetpack on. Well, Brando, I don't know if you knew this. Wizards also hates werewolves because they won't make a decent commander deck with it. Well, good, because they're <laughs> terrible. And I don't want anybody to ever think that they're not terrible. I don't want anybody to ever be left with the misconception that werewolves are the worst. Because I've been saying that since Commander Cookout started, like episode like four. <laughs> I said they're the worst, and I have never come off of that, and I never will. There's tons of good werewolves on the back side of the card. Like, yes. werewolves are really good on the back. The mechanic is real yeah, bad. it's the mechanic of switching them that makes them suck, because you just, late game, you're never going to have a, the backside of a werewolf. Luckily, with this one, you don't need the back half, because the front half is a 3-2 three, for 3, or 2-3 three for 3. At the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gets plus 1, plus 0, oh, and haste until end of turn. Simple, I mean, honest, that's pretty mediocre. Haste is not the best. <laughs> But it's haste, and it's a beatery we body. We do what that, we can. <laughs> it's a beatery body that we can slap our equipments on because we're going to be playing more equipments. Spoiler alert! To just like get in there. Yeah, you could use a boots or another boots, but this is just an easier way, and it's a power boost. And if for some reason you manage to flip it over and actually keep it flipped over until your turn, it gives plus two, plus oh, trample and haste. Ugh. It's fine. It's I mean, I feel like, guys, Brando's just making a case for werewolves not being pieces of trash. I will never do that. That is a lie. All right. Round 15. Here's kind of where I'm thinking. Uh, I'm, I'm, so, Brando, this is your first time uh, doing the draft with us. <laughs> this is when we kind of get a little bit basic. A little, a little simple. So, I'm talking Koldotha Forge Master. But look, it does have a fun story with it. Uh, five colorless artifact creature construct. It's a rare. It's a three five for about four bucks. And it states, tap it, sacrifice three artifacts, search your library for an artifact card, put it on the battlefield, then so shuffle your library. So, Brando, the reason I want this card in the deck is because my strategy is to steal the artifacts away from my opponents. Those very easy treasures and soul rings and just everything everyone likes to rub in Boros's face. I'm just saying, everyone's a bunch of dicks. And I'm going to take those and I'm going to sacrifice them. And I'm going to go get the stuff that makes them say, ooh, maybe we shouldn't pick on this guy in high school. And I'll be like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't pick me on in high school. And then they're going to be like, yeah, well, maybe you should have picked you in high school. Then I'll be like, I'm just caught up in a lot of emotions here. So how do you feel about this? <laughs> I'm behind Cold with the Forge Master in any deck we can play it. With luck, we're going to get to some kind of way of ramping into things like this. But anything that can multiple time search your library for whatever you want for doing what we're doing anyway i'm behind love it well a card that i'm gonna do for round 16 is something that uh <laughs> look we talked about mirror battlesphere before well mirror turbine is quite the jovialist show so five colorless artifact rare for 278 it has two activated effects one tap and tap five untapped mirror you control. Search your library for a mirror creature card, put it on the battlefield, and shuffle your control. Uh, Brando, I want to take a quick pause for our listeners. Did you play long enough? Was this card just basically like play it for five, tap it, 
and tap five mirrors, get mirror battlesphere, and win the game. I feel like this is a very standard modern esque. Honestly, I don't remember it ever seeing a ton, a ton, a ton of play anywhere. Fair, fair. But doesn't doesn't it read very like tap get mirror battlesphere, win the game? It doesn't. Like that's just so odd. One of those cards that in the early days of Commander before Watsi started officially supporting it, where it was a lot more just like great big bomb eight drop stuff you'd probably see things like Mirror Turbine, but now it's more like a, I'm building a Mirror Tribal deck, or I'm doing... That's really the only place I can see it now. That, that doesn't make it a bad card. It just... <laughs> it costs too much, and there's just other... There's more efficient ways to get to a, a victory, especially in an artifact-based deck these days. And in this deck, I think it works really good, but, uh, you know? Well, and I would say this, Brando... Uh, to your point, you're a gentleman and a scholar. Uh, this is probably a not a good card. It's definitely probably been outdated by other cards because for basically three dollars, five mana, get a mana dort is essentially the way I'm looking at the this card. There's other cards that are better. Um, but you know what, guys? I think for five mana, less than three bucks, tap it to make an artifact token. There's some use cases you can do in here. We talked about how if you have an, a creature, an artifact, an enchantment, a land come into play, hey, confusion of the ranks. Let's swap uh, swap spots. Mirror, mirror Turbine. It's just let's tap it. I'm going to take your best artifact possible. It does have value in a deck like this. Just don't think this is going to be your game winner versus... You're probably more utility than anything. I was just going to say that with Confusion of the Ranks, this card is very, very good. And, I mean, if you can get a Mere Battle Sphere out of it as well, you're not hurting, right? It's not a bad piece of value. It's just when you no. when you tap it to make, like, two little shitty mirrors, it's like, well, fuck. I could have just played, what is it, white two, get two mirrors? You could have just played that instead, and you're ahead. Yeah, you would have been feeling way better about your position. All right. Brando, round 16, what do you got? I think this is the one card I ever said, except for Brash Taunter. This is the one card I ever said, this card is going to be amazing. Pick it up because it's going to just balloon in price. And people listened to me, and then they said, oh, thanks, Brando. Oh, no. Because Shadow, oh, no. Shadow Spear is expensive as hell now. Oh, my God. I hate this card because it's so expensive. One drop artifact equipment equips for two. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has Trample and Lifelink, which works good with the Heliod and to keep us around. And it has one, permanence your opponent's control, lose Hexproof and Indestructible until end of turn. Shadow Spear is a house. It's a nightmare for people to play against. And it's just so effing good if you can get one. I'm sorry, Brando. Did you just mean that a one-drop equipment with equip cost two that gives you your creature plus one, plus one, trample, and lifelink? Oh, and more activated abilities <laughs> is pretty good? I don't know. That seems weird. It seems odd. I'm I'm, I'm a little confuddled myself. Can you help me understand Initially, this? you read the card and think, man, this is garbage. This isn't even that good. It's a total medium card. But then you... <laughs> totally trash. But then you see this thing in action, and it's like, holy flying god like somebody forgets you have it they heroic intervention to save all their blockers and you're like nah bro no that's not how this is gonna go and you just kill all their stuff anyway and they just feel so shitty it's one of those cards you can absolutely get people with it because it's been in play since the beginning of the game everybody ignored it 
You're going to gain three, four, five life. And later on in the game, it's going to totally blow somebody out when they try and save their board. Or it's going to allow you to get your target removal past hexproof. Or it's just going to gain you so much value in the frame of in the form of life. And now your giant creature can't be blocked. That people are going to just rue the day that they left a shadow spear for that long. And here's the thing I love about what Brando just went on. Like, let's let's guys, let's just say it. A little five-minute soliloquy about how he loves Shadow Spear. He just, this card's great. Here's the unfortunate part. Everything he said was so diminished down because it's so much worse than that. From a power perspective, it just makes you so upset that this card exists in the game of Magic. <laughs> it's about as bad as Force of Will. I'm just being honest. Shadow Spear will be a card at $19, $20 today on December 14th will probably be a $100 card. And Brando, check me on this. Give it four years. This will be a $100 card in four years. Without a reprint or some kind of yeah. functional analog, I think you might be right. And it's a hard card to reprint because it's lore-wise tied to, to Theros. How the hell are you going to print it again? Well, and if you even take the logical piece out of it, it's just a powerful card. Oh, yeah. Wizards doesn't usually reprint a ultra-powerful card unless their goal is like, we're just going to reprint it into the ground, a.k.a. Arcane Signet. Arcane Signet only has as many printings as it does because they said, you know what? This was a mistake. We should probably just reprint it as often as we can to kind of fix this. Mm -hmm. I don't believe they look at Shadow Spear as a mistake. They might just like, look at it as a powerful card but they're just going to leave it as is. So if you guys can, get it now, because if you're a whore like me and you like your unbordered ones, it's probably a $200 card here in the next couple years versus 100 bucks right now. Those extended foils? Oh, I'm glad I got mine. Well, you know what, guys, I got glad of was round 17, and the next card I wanted to talk about, it's a little weird because it doesn't fit into how the three of us talked about our cards, but I do think Unwinding Clock is a very good card in an artifact-based deck. Because Unwinding Clock says, four colorless artifact, it's a rare, for a little under $9, untap all artifacts you control during each other player's untapped step. So Brando, you look confused. Here's the truth I want to drop on you. Okay. Zabaz. Uh, it's activated abilities. I believe they're color-based. Yes. Am I, am I wrong? No, one is red, one is white. All right. So, when they're color-based, it becomes harder to find the colors to do repeatable effects versus the, I just need a black open on opponent two, three, and four turns so I could just do my one effect once. Sure. When it's a repeated effect, it can become a little bit difficult. The white effect on Zabaz, you only have to do once per turn because it just gains flying until end of turn. You don't have to worry about that. Right. It's the red I'm really thinking of. And so Unwinding Clock giving you the ability of Fire Eyes Diamond for your, hey, this creature had an ability to tap for an effect to do this effect. That's also imperative. So I think Unwinding Clock... Kind of going to my group hug-esque idea, it's a card that in this deck is less threatening because no one will look at it and say, oh, Brando's going to combo off immediately. It's, oh, 
guys, don't worry. I've seen Brando play this deck. It's Zabaz. And they're like, who the fuck is Zabaz? And they're like, exactly. No one fucking knows. It's fucking nonsense. So you get to use this ultra-powerful card in a way that would never be used before because your commander is so bad. And I think that's something super cool with terrible commanders. Sure, and it certainly gives your, your bad commander vigilance, basically, right? No one ever wants to block because they don't care. But then again... I think on Winding Clock, again, in our, the three of us building this deck, it loses some power because we don't have a single rock in this deck yet. And I don't think we have any artifacts that tap to do anything. Bro, Mirror Turbine! We're making mirrors every turn, bro! True? Okay. What are you doing? You got me. And I'm assuming in the land section we're going to have both of the playable, I guess there's three. Three, four. There's four playable artifact lands. So, there we go. That could be a thing. Little thing. You know, but you know what? Sure. Koldotha Forge Master. It untaps. I sack more shit. I'm just saying. I think I think that's the cool thing about having Unwinding Clock in the deck is you and I, as we're even building and recording this deck, we don't even realize the other tap effects in here. But there's probably lots that we're just forgetting about. Exactly. And Aladdin. I forgot about Aladdin. It's not an artifact, but it's a tap effect. You can make There's ways to make that on an artifact uh, via uh, Microsynth Lattice, which we already talked about. Liquid Metal Torg. It's coming back. Boom. Cards there you go. There's a lot of things in this deck that we just, you and I are not thinking of. And that's the kind of thing we love about chaos draft is we might come to an idea of how we can make this shitty commander viable <laughs> but at the end of the day what we're actually doing is you myself and tuck and t coats because he does the editing for the videos we're all making our own unique stamp on this deck of what's the weird shitty thing i want to do and then I'm going to go all in on that. And then even at the end of the episode, you have your own 20 cards. I have my 20 and Tuck has his 20. They're all so different. And even if the deck as a whole isn't viable, it gives someone in the community a, hey, you know what? Brando just built a third of my modular Boros lady sitting in the chair on the right deck and you didn't even realize it yeah and you're like fuck yeah i love that i love contributing all right well brando i think you have a couple cards you need to talk about so we talked about a winding clock what are you talking about next i'm gonna play something else that doesn't tap to do its thing so unwinding clock might not be as good with this but this card is still so damn good and it's amber cleave Oh my god, you jerk. Right? You remember Embercleave? <laughs> oh, of course right. I do. Red, red, four, flash, costs less for each attacking bro you have. Comes into play attached to a creature you control. That creature gets plus one, plus one, and double strike, and trample. For but Brando, here's the question. Are you putting this on Zabaz? Of course I am. It's going directly on really? Zabaz. Just absolutely, just doing oh, it. Oh yes, snap yes. It's going directly onto Zabaz. Because he's probably also got a hero's blade and a bunch of counters off of his blade of selves. And now he's doing double damage. Get in there. But here's the bigger question is why does Embercleave cost $5 where Shadow Spear costs 20 Solid question. And I... <laughs> okay, wait. No, if I had to speculate, I would say it's because Shadow Spear can go in any deck. Any deck and versus a deck that needs red. And it costs... 
one. Oh, okay. Like, think like six is six yeah, is something versus one. I mean, sure, Embercleave can cost two if you put some work into it, but Shadow Spear is always going to cost one, a hundred percent of the time. Okay. So okay, yeah. okay. I I can get that. That makes a lot of sense. Two versus one. The the two has a lot of conditions associated with it. Um, I mean, you could argue Embercleave you could technically attach for free potentially versus Shadow Spear, uh, but then even Embercleave Double Strike and Trample. Yeah. God, that's filthy. Oh yeah. It, it's just it's kind of gross, Brando. If you think about it, take Throne to uh, um. Theris Beyond Death and the power of the artifacts and equipments between those two sets. You could almost argue no two magic sets within a six-month period had more powerful artifacts or equipments than those two sets. There was some really good stuff, yeah. I mean, you could make an argument. Ozolith was in that span. Crashing Drawbridge is one we love to talk about on this channel. Love that card. It's great. Or the Great Hand was in there, too. Yes, sir. You can make an argument. That six-month span was some of the best six months in Artifact Magic history. Because most of them are artifacts. Yeah, I could. Yeah, sure. I can, I can go along with that. I'm on that boat. I can get on the boat and travel around with you. Sure. Hell yeah. I love traveling around with you. <laughs> well, Brando, give us your number 18 pick. What do you think is better after Embercleave? After, I don't know if it's better than Embercleave, but it certainly goes into decks as well as Embercleave. And I'm going to say Duelist Heritage. Oh. That little enchantment action. White and two. Whenever one or more creatures attack, you may have target attacking creature gain double strike until end of turn. And this happens whenever another creature attacks. So if we're doing double, if we're doing extra combat steps, we can start giving our different creatures double strike. Or if somebody's attacking somebody who isn't us, we can give their dude double strike to just really bring the pain. Yes. Remember we talked with Agitator Ant, we're going to goad some people? Well, now we're goading their creatures and giving them double strike just to make sure that, that our presence is felt. So that's actually a card that I love. Um, it's one that I do run in my Commander 2021 deck, my Brina deck, because it came in the deck. The interesting thing, though, Brando, like, and I, I'm curious if this has been prevalent in your group. I actually forgot about this card. Didn't know it existed. Didn't know it ever had been printed. And uh, I only saw it when my Brina deck came out. Started doing episodes on Brina, and it was like, oh yeah, the card was in your deck, and it was really good. So is this a card that had plagued your playgroup in the years prior to 2021, or did this also kind of sneak up on you in the uh, latter months? It showed up from time to time, but usually the people that played it weren't, I don't want to say they were bad, because nobody's bad, but they were newer, and they hadn't quite yeah, understood just how good Double Strike could be, and the, mm -hmm. I can use it every turn on every attacking creature thing, like... The, the subtle nuances yes. of the card are they're they're this card is deep and it's very strong based on the table you can definitely play games where this card's going to do nothing but yes if you're in a game where everybody's swinging for the hills you can really like politic or just you're not getting attacked well just i'll 
use this thing to kill you because I don't want to wait for you to finish your turn before I go again, right? Like this, it's a really good card. Well, and the th one of the things that I love about it is it's one of more one or more creatures attack, and usually, and no, this isn't usually, it's a rule. They have to declare who they're attacking at, mm -hmm. so you'll know. With Duelist's Heritage, hey, the trigger goes on the stack. Who are you attacking at? Oh, you're going to hit me? Oh, you get nothing. Yeah. Oh, you're going to hit Brando? Oh, yeah. Everything gets a double strike. Oh, yeah. You just want to fucking smack the shit out of him? Go ahead and do it. And take his lips right Oh, off. you're hitting me? That's fine. Yeah. Nah, you don't get anything. Yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather I not. love those kind of cards. Mm -hmm. I do, too. I'm surprised you playing group hug didn't want to play Duelist Heritage. Well, you know, here's the thing, though. Um, I had to go with a different card... That's just a little bit more group huggy than some people really want to admit. Oh my. So we're talking about trading posts today. So trading posts does all the things to help the universal collective. Four colorless artifact rare. You has four activated abilities. They all cost one to activate, and then you have to tap the card to do it. So here are the four effects. Discard a card, you gain four life. Oh, that seems fine. Yeah. Pay one life. Create a zero one white creature token. Okay. Oh, that seems all right. Sure. Sacrifice a creature. Return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Ooh. Well, that seems relevant. And then sacrifice an artifact draw card. So I really look at this card in three different ways. The first effect you'll never do. That's worthless. Yeah. The second effect you're doing when you're desperate because you need a sacrifice outlet for something. You sure. need something to get rid of at some point. This is a card, though, that Brando, with the deck that we're building, I think you it's a 50% card. To where 50%, let's do it this way, 25% of the effects are irrelevant to your strategy. Yep. 25% directly give you the ammunition to do your strategy. And then you could break it down to the last 50% directly do everything you want to do. Do you want to sack a creature to bring artifacts from your graveyard to the battlefield? Well, Zabaz can already sacrifice artifacts, so that fits that. Uh, oh, we're stealing our opponent's artifacts, and we have a thing that can sacrifice an artifact to draw a card. Well, that fits that as well. So this card literally does, let's just call it 65% of what our deck wants to do. With a lot of flexibility to get to that end game. Any kind of modal card is always going to be powerful. The more options a card gives you, the the better it is. And I think agreed. Just based on how many things this card does, makes it a good like it's just a good card. It's it does so much. No matter what deck you're going to put it in, it does something you want it to do. And in this particular case, like you said, most of what it does fits into your game plan except for discarding a card to gain four life which really only yep. ever comes into play if you're gonna lose and you just need four life and you're probably well, and brando. Anyway. yeah and i was about to say if you think about it there's a lot of cards that you could say like well you're only going to do this if you're about to lose the game but then the literal counter argument from your opponents is always like well if you're about to lose the game does it even matter like yeah. you're gonna lose anyways like do you think you could pull a rabbit out of the hat with this one Snow Mercy? Yes, this random card on Scryfall. Uh, or Thor Thopter Pie Network. Is that really going to save you at the end of the day? Probably not. Yeah. You're probably just going to like delay the game for 10, 15 minutes and then get on to the next one. So I love cards like this. It's a lot of fun. I definitely think there's fun ways to leverage Trading Post Index. Um, and Duelist's Heritage, because 
the random double strike is a great, great time. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Brando, give us round 19 as we try to close out this draft. Because let me tell you, I feel like we have a hodgepodge of artifact nonsense. And I'm going to take us way off of artifact nonsense now because i've basically put all of the artifacts that I. oh like yeah land lands matters let's go lands matter are you kidding me we don't have any lands or ramp to get us to urabrask the hidden oh my god you're so mean i know i'm a bad man urabrask the hidden is a 4-4 predator for red red three creatures we control have haste creatures our opponents control totally suck which means they come into play tap. <laughs> it's like super duper haste, because now our hasty dudes get around their blockers that they're trying to throw in front of our guys. Urbrask is so good in any kind of an aggro deck, especially one like this, where we've got that one low to the ground, but possibly high powered threat with j things like Jessica and Hero's Blade and Shadow Spear and all those other things we've been talking about. Now we can turn that into damage immediately. And even if they know we're going to do that, Urbrask makes it... We're still going to do it anyways. It. Yeah, like what are they going to do? Block it with their tapped guy? No, they're not. They're just going to take fucking 26. Urbrask is a, a guy that... I love Praetor's Brando, but Urbrask is one of the weird ones that I don't play a lot. And I think it's because his effects are so blah. <laughs> it's the haste and the tapped... But here's the thing, though. As I think about it, take Vorinclex out of it. I think we can all agree Vorinclex is probably the most oppressive Absolutely. of the Praetors. Yeah. You get double mana, and your opponents, their lands or mana sources just don't untap. Yeah, That's very suck. oppressive. Yeah. Yeah. But Shieldred, oh, okay, you have to sacrifice, and I get to bring one thing back on one of my turns. Not as bad. White, negative two on all your stuff, negative, or plus two on my stuff. Not as bad. And then uh, blue, I get to draw seven, and you have no maximum hand size. Not that bad. No, they minus seven so the, to their hand size, so they don't have a hand my, size. My, but the thing is, though, if they actually have no maximum hand size, they yeah. do have a hand size. Yeah. The fucked up, the weird thing about it. So that's the thing I like about Urbrask the Hidden is that the Red Praetor... It does slow down your opponents, but it's not oppressive. So it's not a feel-bad card. And I know that's something we talk a lot about in Commander. You don't want to play feel-bads in your deck. And Urbrask is a powerful card if you're looking for powerful cards that will not make your opponent say, oh, well, I just have to kill Brando right now because he plays Praetors. It's yeah. like, well, I'm playing the worst of the worst. And that's saying something because it's not white. <laughs> the white one arguably is probably... I'm not going to say it's the best one, but I think it's the, of the big four, it's probably the one that you will draw you the least hate, and it's probably the one that's going to yeah. win you the most games, I would argue. Have you ever actually had... Jing I would argue that as well. Have you ever had a Jenga Taxes stick around long enough to draw you seven cards? And that's a real question. Uh, well, I mean, usually I flash it in at the beginning of my next opponent's uh, turn. And we it has to, it has to get to your end step. You have to have that four-four... Mm, that's fair. Right? Like, it's... it's not often. Yeah, I mean, I, I've played it a ton. I will say this. It usually always sticks around to my my turn, but it's usually because my opponents aren't worried about getting rid of Jin Kataxis. They're more worried about, how do we kill Mr. Combo so we don't have to <laughs> deal with Jin Kataxis? Yes. Player removal is the most efficient creature removal. That's the truth. It is. It's weird. It's uncomfortable, but I agree with it. <laughs> um, 
Well, my round 19, it's a very simple card. Shouldn't take a whole lot to talk about. Shimmer Mirror, three colorless artifact creature mirror. It has flash. You may cast artifact spells as though they had flash, and it's a 2-2 for less than a quarter. Fabulous in the deck. I really think, even if you don't make uh, Brando a deck that is, so let's just say 35 lands, that leaves you with 65 non-land cards. You take one out for your commander, you're down to 64. If you run more than in a 64 card deck, I think if you more run more than 30 total land cards, you might as well run this, right? Like, as long as 30% of your deck is getting the benefit out of a ley line of anticipation, a shimmer mirror, things like that, you might as well do it. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to hurt you. And again, it's it's a creature. You can, we've got a lot of swords, a lot of equipment. We can get rid of it. Suit them up and beat them down, right? Like, or beat down with it. You might as well. It's a good card, and it gives your commander flash. Yeah, and it's not going to hurt anyone. No. I mean, I would totally get it. From the mindset that I usually come from of like, well, it's a downside. It's going to hurt you like this. So like, is it worth the benefit? But there's a no negative. No. The negative is you sacrifice it to one of your many sacrifice artifact outlets. Yeah. And like, what are you block with it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's no bad in playing. It's, like, it's a good card in the deck and there's no reason not to play it, really. But here's a card that you may debate on putting in. Okay. So for round 20, I'm putting in Fonta Mythos. Uh, four colorless artifact at the beginning of each player's draw step that player draws into two additional cards for about a little above five bucks my thought on this is yes your opponents get the benefit first but the negative behind group hug is you usually don't have a way to stop it well with zabaz i can sacrifice sorry destroy font and mythos at any point i want with no negative drawback to me so if I, for four mana, can draw two extra cards, enter my draw steps as long as I want. And you know what? I think I have the game in hand. Let me pay a red, destroy it. My opponents can't do it anymore, and now I can win. Could be. I mean, the, the downside, of course, would be like opponent number one draws two, opponent number two draws two, opponent number three flashes in something that's going to make him drawing two be really horrific for you, so you have to kill your font to sure. beat those. Now you've paid five mana and lost a card and benefited not really at all. And two of your opponents drew two cards, right? But myself personally, again, in a deck of the power level I figure we're building for here, Font of Mythos is fine. Because it's going to make the game smooth out and just be cool for everybody. And it's another one of those ones. It's not going to soak up a ton of removal. It's not really going to get you killed unless people are bad-faithing you in the, in the game. Yep. And... I like stuff like that. It, it's right up there with um, uh, Gear Parori or yep. Howling Mind or uh, Rites of Flourishing is my favorite card like this. I know we can't play that one in this deck, but I like cards like yeah. that. Yeah, well, and that's where I think this card kind of has a home, uh, Brando, is because if you're building it as in this fake group hug thought style, it's like, hey, I'm playing these things that benefit you, but you just don't realize I'm going to take the juice away from the squeeze at any point and when i do that it should in theory be at the most devastating times so i almost feel like i might almost be building a more complicated deck than a blue player would because it's not even a gotta think of layers in the stack it's more in the politics of it think in the ways that you can trick your opponents into doing your bidding with these shitty ass cards 
so that way you don't have to spend your very limited resources in doing it. it it's weird. I don't know if it'll work, but I'm glad you're struggling through it with me. Oh yeah, I'm right here with you, man. We're 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 going along. This is working. This is gonna work good. Well, look, why don't you give me your round twenty uh, card? Outside of Font of Mythos. Okay, I'm going to give 20 and 21 together. Okay, I'm gonna <gasps> oh, no. Because we're going to It's play... a combo. No, it's not. It's not. It's two cards that do basically the same thing. And we're going to play Goblin Welder and Goblin Engineer. Oh, okay. That's Bo fair. Both of them in some way swap an artifact in play with one in the yard. Easy peasy. Everybody knows why they're here. They're just strong cards. They get you your Ozolith back. They get you your sword back. They get you your... Blade of Selves back. You get your Blazing Sun Steel, right? They're they're value cards. If you're gonna play an artifact focused deck, which we are, they're just good, and you should. So play them. rude. Like, all right, what do these two cards do? Uh, Goblin Welder is a one-one for red. Tap. Choose target artifact player controls and target artifact card in that player's graveyard. Switch them. Which is, you know what, Brando? To your point is perfect with my strategy because that could be group hug yep. hey some asshole blew up your soul ring earlier i know you don't want your uh microsynth lattice let's swap them i know that's what you want down deep in your core let's just swap <laughs> those two cards <laughs> and then uh goblin engineer is a one two for red one uh Red, tap, sack an artifact, return target artifact card with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to play. And when he comes into play, you can search your library for an artifact and bin it. So they're, they're, they're basically the same card, just yep. different. I mean, Goblin Welder obviously is more powerful, but Engineer has his uses as well, in that he could find you an Ozolith, or he could find you a Sword of Truth and Justice, or any other sword that you happen to be playing can find you a Shadow Spear. You can find you all kinds of shit. Yeah, I think... The biggest thing for me with the difference between the two cards is the fact that Engineer can actually tutor the card versus if you kind of look at Welder, it's not necessarily going to uh, get you specifically what you need the exact time you need it, but it is going to get you uh, kind of like... I don't know. It's a little bit like Goblin Snowman. It's just going to get you a little <laughs> bit of taste that you need at the time, which is totally fine. And that's the thing that I like about the kind of deck that we're trying to build is Goblin Engineer tutors the card that you want to put in the graveyard. So then you're going to activate the ability to get it. Welder is just going to get you whatever people have in their graveyard in their hand. And then it's just or a battlefield and it's just done. And so this gives our opponents a feel, once again, all I'm going for, a feel that they're not being oppressed. They're not feeling like they're going against a high-powered deck. They're going against a meme deck. They're doing stupid shit that doesn't make sense until they don't know what's happening and we're just shitting on their face. That's what I'm here for, and I love that we're just having some good old-fashioned purple nurples on this episode. Oh, yeah. Shitting on faces is my second favorite thing to do. <laughs> the, the first thing is slapping lips. The second thing is shitting on faces. It's, it's the truth. It's just the truth. Oh, my God. I love it. Well, uh, my truth for round 21 is very easy, very simple. We're just going to get it hit to it real quick. Spectral Searchlight. This is a card that I do not think it's played enough in EDH, I'm just being honest. 
for a less than a nickel. Three colorless artifact, uncommon. Choose a player. That player adds one man of any color they choose. I'm sorry, Brando. For less than a nickel, why wouldn't you run this over a manolith? Well, you, there's no reason. There's, technically, <laughs> despite what Dana Roach will tell you, manolith <laughs> is trash. And all of these other tap for any color for threes, mana rocks, they're all good. And then the, they come up with a new one like every set, and they're all interesting, mm-hmm. and they're all cool, and they all do something neat. So I'm always happy to see them come out. I think the Spectral Searchlight in a group hug type shell that, that we're constructing here is good. And, it, I mean, it can help your – if you're playing on the teams or you've got, like, somebody who you're, you've partnered up with or you're going to be a total scumbag and wreck Sean Tabaris doing it, this card will get it done for you. God, I love all the examples you have. This just makes me so happy. I've been playing for too long, man. I've seen I've seen <laughs> some shit. I've seen some shit, man. Well, for round 22, before we hit the lightning round, we both each have a pick we want to talk about. Okay. Here's the thing, Brando. So, I actually had a two-parter. Uh-oh. And I was, I was going to save it, but then I was like, wait, we're going to do it out of order anyway, so it doesn't matter. So, I'm going to give it to you now. Okay. And knowing the fact that you're going to guess what the second card is. Okay. We're talking about Scepter of Empires. Three colorless artifact. It's an uncommon from M12 or Scepter of Empires or Throne of Empires. One of the Magic 2012. One of the twos. Okay. Uh, and it states you can tap it. Scepter of Empires deals one damage to target player. If it deals three damage to that player instead, if you control artifacts named Crone of Empires and Throne of Empires. So this is a two-parter. You guys will figure out what it is when we get to Crown of Empires, or Crown, but 23 cents, a three drop, a tap, you could deal damage or lightning bolt something. What do you think? Pretty trash, huh? Yeah, but not the worst, because, I mean, this is the kind of deck where you're going to try some stupid crap like this, right? Um, I tried Vecna with the hand and eye and book of Vecna or whatever in the new set. I've tried okay, it. I've tried to okay. assemble these things. We've all tried to put all the stations from original Mirrodin together. We've all tried that. And I think that running cards like this is worth it, just on the off chance that someday you get it to work. And you know what an interesting thing, Brando, is when we all go back and think about our Magic games that we've played... How many times does someone in a turn cycle, let's just not get crazy, it's not the whole game, it's a, it's a, it's in a cycle before things get reset, how many times have people or creatures been at one or less toughness? And it's just like, gosh darn it, if I could do one, I would end my nightmare. Mm-hmm. It happens. It happens, guys, I'm telling you. Don't pretend it doesn't. And if you have a deck like a Zabaz deck that could sacrifice the bullshit when it doesn't it's not relevant. Like, I'm look, I'm not me and Brando will not pretend that Scepter of Empires is some groundbreaking card. But if your commander can leverage it for later in the game when it's maybe have zero's use, why wouldn't you have it in the deck? I'm just saying. I mean it's not terrible. And like you say, off the off chance that it turns into a lightning bolt on a stick, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's not bad. And hey, you get your uh, unwinding clock, then you're lightning bolting every turn. There you go. You can do that every turn when somebody goes for that value block or think they're going to keep their guy and kill. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's lots of times where pinging something is important. There are major yeah. content creators out there that build decks around it. I'm not going to name names, but they <laughs> exist. They exist. They're people. Yeah. All right. 
Well, Brando, why don't you give us your number 22 pick before we hit the lightning round? 22. I've been saving this one for right before the lightning round. I didn't want to I didn't want to hit oh, you. Oh, you didn't want to bust your nut? I didn't want to hit you with all the spicy stuff right away. So here we go. You ever heard of Fiendlash? No. Fiendlash is a red one artifact equipment that gives equipped creature plus two plus O oh and reach. And there's more. Whenever equipped creature is dealt damage, it deals damage equal to its power to target player or planeswalker. So now you've is got... Is this just more brash taunter nonsense? Yes! Of course it is! Of course it is, combo what is, what number is five. What's happening? What is happening? Because when you, if you're gonna brash taunt, you need to brash taunt to the max. You don't quit. You don't stop being brash and taunting. You just keep doing it. Woof. Right, and this turns our little flying Zabaz. He can now reach up with his weapon. You don't have to pay white like some chump. Which is stupid, because he's a flying bug. We oh, yeah. shouldn't have to pay white to begin with. Yeah, he's got wings. But the point is, this card is pretty <laughs> cool. And when you get to a point where maybe Zabaz, let's say he's a, I don't know, he's a, call him a 6-4, let's just say. Sure. And you have your unwinding clock and your scepter of whatever. Now, every turn... Your scepter is going to untap, and you have the option to do one damage to something. Let's just say your Fiend Lash equipped Zavaz. Because every time that creature takes damage, it's going to deal damage equal to its power to something. So Zavaz is going to take one, and then you're going to six or seven something. And then on the next turn, your Unwinding Clock is going to untap your scepter. You're going to tap your scepter, do one damage to Zavaz, and he's going to six or seven something. What, what if we all said no? Like, are we allowed to say no during this engagement? Absolutely not. Absolutely oh, okay. not. No. Okay. Okay. No. That makes sense. That checks out. Yeah. That, that I think believe that's a magic rule. No. Uh, Fiend Lash. This is a card you don't see in Commander. I'm just gonna be honest. You just don't see it. Um. But with the kind of build that you go through makes a ton of sense because you essentially double up on your brash taunter stuffy doll type of effects and there's a very ingenious piece to that to where these cards are indestructible so you're i mean do i have to point that out people just you're not going to get rid of it you guys can't murder that you're not you know like yeah you get swords of plowshare but let's be honest how good do you feel about swords of plowshare your brash taunter you feel like a piece of shit Yo, I mean, just 1,000%. You should see people in my LGS when they, they swords my Brash Taunter. Because they know. They probably seem very sad. They seem sad. Oh, no. No, they're not. Because I... Oh. I played a... Play, let's just... There's 20 people in my LGS on a given weekend. Or a week when we play. And I have killed each and every one of them with the Brash Taunter. At least once. Because Brash Taunter is the man. You think it's a meme? But that's just because you haven't seen Brash Taunter in the hands of a, a skilled professional like myself. Okay? Jesus. I, Brash Taunter will haunt your dreams if you let him. He is so Oof. good. Like, I don't know if I can talk him up anymore on the show. It's, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to do two years of work in, in, in a few hours here. But <laughs> I'm going I'm to make believers out of you and everybody out there. Brash Taunter is the shit. Well, before we hit the lightning round, I'll give you uh, one sentence, and it has to go to period. Is Brash Hunter the best magic card printed in the last few years? Yeah. Oh, that was easy. Yeah. 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 
Not close. Well, now, guys, we're on to the lightning round. Oh, uh, shit. And literally, this is going to be me and Brando going back and forth on our cards. No one giving a fuck about what we're talking about. So, Brando, I hit you with the scepter. Now, I'm going to hit you with the crown. Crown of Empires. Don't know if you've ever heard of it. I haven't. <laughs> Two colorless artifact uncommon for... A nickel. Ooh. Three colorless tap. Tap target creature. Gain control of that creature instead of control artifacts name. If you control artifacts name, Scepter of Empires and Throne of Empires. So it's very much like the Assembling Cauldra. Pay this if you have these 19 pieces together. And you're gonna get it and you're gonna get the slot machines. Well, in this type of circumstance, it's a little bit easier. Crown of Empires costing two, Scepter costing three, and then paying three. So what's that? Five, eight. Eight and tap. You're tapping a creature, gaining control of it, and dealing three damage to the target player. Like, that's a lot of little incrementally dinky-dunky type value. But I like this card because Zabaz is that whole thing that I've been hitting on. Pay a red. Destroy an artifact that you control. This gives you the ability to steal your opponent's artifacts. Or whatever the fuck you want. If you play your Mycosynth Lattice and things like that. And just destroy everything. Brando, how on to this kind of jank are you? Like, I'm going to say the same thing that I said with the Scepter. I think stuff like that is kind of it's pretty meme but It's the, super meme In the one time, the one time it works, it's going to be so good. Mm -hmm. it only, you only have to have it happen one time, and it justifies you playing the cards forever. <laughs> right? And don't ever underestimate the power of being able to tap a blocker. If they only have one flying blocker, one big blocker, one profitable blocker, just tap it. Right? And you can yeah. do it on another opponent's attack, too, or you can stop the big guy from coming into your face. It, it's a, I'm not going to say it's underrated, but I think that people don't use it as much as they could. I would agree with that, and I would even add to that, guys, just because I am the rules lawyer of the channel. Um, when you get in situations like that, make sure you're talking with the table to be like, hey, I'm going to do this before blocks before combat you don't want to be that guy that gets stuck in a situation where it's like okay i declare attackers i declare blockers okay I activate crown of empires i tap your blocker well you can't do that it's already blocking and then you lose a friend so anytime you deal with something that we may talk about where it's like that seems a little complicated just open talk about it with the table uh that'll that'll make everyone feel way better even if they're assholes like me that are like Ew, why are you talking about rules it's like why well, didn't want to make you mad they're like oh yeah that's cool that's cool Deez. it's fine <laughs> well brando why don't you give us your first lightning round pick what do you got for pick 23 fighter class you just had it ready oh yeah i was ready it was a lightning round fighter class is an enchantment class for white red uh comes into play you search your library for an equipment Put it into your hand, shuffle your library, so it's an equipment tutor. We have lots of tutors in the deck, a la me. If you take it to level 2 for red, white, 1, your equip abilities cost 2 less to activate. Sick. And if you're going to eventually upgrade this deck with swords of X and Y, now they equip yep. for free. 
And if you want to take the fighter class up to level three, it's going to cost you another white red. I think it's three. Yep. Whenever a creature you control attacks up to one target creature, blocks it this combat if able. So it threatened, or what's that word? Uh, there's a sliver that did it, but there's a sliver that hunter sliver is the sliver that does it. Provoke. Oh that's yeah. The ability. Provoke. Provoke. It untaps a creature, makes it block. O- old mechanic they'll never bring back. An oldie but a goodie. So fighter class is cool mainly just because it's going to get you your equipment, and then later on in the game when you have some extra mana, you can sink it in there to turn it into either a combat-based janky removal or make it cheaper to re-equip all your equipment onto your commander after it's died a couple of times. Yeah, the thing I love about fighter class, and actually it's all these classes, Brando, and I don't play any of them, so this isn't a next-gen, I thought this before, everyone. I haven't done any of this. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, okay, two mana, I get to tutor, put it into hand, done. Okay, would I pay two mana to tutor? Probably. I'd probably do that. Would I pay five mana to tutor and then have all my equip abilities cost two less? Which, Brando, to your point, is basically free. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'd probably do that. Yeah, I'd probably do that. And then five, eight. Would I pay ten mana to tutor any equipment I want to have all equipments for the rest of the game? In theory, it costs two less to activate. And then, whenever a creature I control attacks, uh, I get to choose how blocks are happened for ten. That seems insanely great, so I'll do that as well. These these insert XYZ class cards, I think you're getting underlooked because Forgotten Realm was kind of this meme set. Hey, it's Dungeons and Dragons. Just come in here. It's kind of fun. It's a very safe place. We're doing all this interesting stuff. And then they went away, and then we'll probably never hear about it again until the Commander 2022 set or 2021 set. So How do you feel about these class? Do you think they're getting underlooked, or do you actually see play with them? Uh, I don't see a lot of them played around where I am, and I don't play any of them. This is the first time I've actually put one into a deck. But I think that they're mm. good. I think that they're totally solid cards, and I think that they all have homes. I just don't play them. And I don't know if that's because I'm lazy and I don't want to cut cards for them. Or maybe I just build decks on, like, a different axis where I just I forget about things. Okay. And then, you know what I mean? And I, that's just yeah. fun. I don't, I don't want to think about that anymore. I played you already. You're, <laughs> you're not turning sideways to attack. I don't care about you. And I think that's why you I have don't no play them. friends. Exactly. So I think that's why I don't play more of them. But I, I, I think okay. that they are. I think that what you say is is dead on. I think they are very good, and they are overlooked a little bit. I don't think they're game defining, but I think they're cool. And we get that's prestige classes fair. when we go to Baldur's Gate. That's going to be sick. Oh my god, it's going to be so sick. I actually more can't wait till we get more uh, adventure into the dungeon. You're I'm just dungeons? hoping and praying we get more dungeons and more varieties because I made my Esper dungeon deck and I'm a little bored already. There's only <laughs> one that you want to go through. That's the, the dungeon of the mad mage. And I just fucking combo out from there. I'm done with it. Give me something exciting. Like round 24 with throne of geth. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Two colorless artifact uncommon for less than 30 cents. Tap it, sack an artifact, proliferate. We we know what Zabaz is doing. Zabaz is yeah. trying to get counters on him. He's trying yeah. to he's trying to you know go out there and just whoop some tail. And I could respect that. I'm not going to be mad at him from wanting to just like fight club everyone on yeah. the field. But because my gameplay isn't just punch people in the face, 
I needed it to be a little cuter. So the fact that Zabaz is going to have to steal my opponent's artifacts, then I sacrifice them to then just give me a simple plus one counter seems like the kind of rigmarole I'm here for. Seems good. I mean, like I say, it, just, it fits in with the deck. There's not much else you have to say. It's being yeah. cute. It's doing just what you want it to do. And it does Zabaz things. I'm into that. Oh, nice. And, you know, it's weird because I only have three more picks. So now it's like, okay, out of the 15 cards I have left, what do I talk about? So I'm interested to hear, Brando, what your 24th pick is, knowing we're getting towards the end. Oh, I've got nothing but spicy goodness coming up because you were all about stealing things and being cute. I'm all about punching people directly in the face while looking them straight in the eyes. So I'm going to play Eroas, God of Victory. Another <laughs> another god, this time for White Red 2. It's an indestructible 7-4. It's never going to be a creature in this deck, ever. So just forget ever. that happening. <laughs> creatures you control can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. I know that's keyworded now. I don't know what the keyword is, and I'm totally fine with that. Menace. Menace? Sure. Menace. It, it also says prevent all damage that would be dealt to attacking creatures you control. Awesome. Yeah. You're just swinging in with impunity. Oh, just they have to swing double block it. your bros, and you're just going to wreck them. It's so cool. I really like this card. I think that this one is under underrepresented for how good it is yes it's expensive that's because it's from an older set and it's a mythic but i i think that this card has a lot more utility than people give it credit oh for. i would completely agree with that this is a card that usually brando when i see it it's like oh you're go wide boros and if anyone ever said no that's not what i'm doing i would say well you're a liar you're a liar and a thief and i hate you um, so I think you're right. There are certain cards that you, it'd be like, Brandon, let's be honest. If you saw an Atraxa in the, in the command zone, you're like, oh, you're playing super friends. And they're like, no, I'm not. And they're like, mm, probably you're probably not. a liar. You're probably <laughs> a liar. It's either plus one counters or you're a liar. It, it, and I would like to believe you're a liar more than plus one counters. Like, which one are you? Like, it's, it's just very hard. Like Duretti, uh, the Pope has the same thing in mono red planeswalker it's just there's some cards that are very difficult to convince your opponents you're not trying to do the 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 gimmick and putting it in the 99 is usually the easy way to be like hey guys i'm not an iros deck i'm not just go wide boros i'm doing this other cool thing so i really like it in the 99 because it does challenge or even confuse your opponent's mindset and, and also we're, we're go tall boros today so Ooh. you know we're still using it because that, that Zabaz is going to be a big boy. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Well, uh, Brando, I hate to do this. Uh-oh. Oh, it's something my community is very big into. Oh, no. And I know you'll laugh. We're talking Assault Suit. I'm sorry. Assault Suit for colorless artifact equipment. It's an uncommon for less than 50 cents. Equip creature gets plus two, plus two, has haste, can't attack you or a planeswalker you control, and can't be sacrificed. Uh, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, you may have that player gain control of equipped creature until end of turn. If you do, untap it, equip three. Look, guys, the whole reason this is in the deck is I think it would be a lot of fun to have Zabaz go all over the battlefield as often as possible to as many people as possible. The only catch to it, the only catch, is usually the sacrifice, you can't do it, saves your commander. 
Well, Zabaz does read, destroy target artifact you control. So you do have to find a cuter way to kind of make it work in the deck. But I do believe my cohorts, as in Brando and Tuck, are going to have a little bit more stuff to where Zabaz can hit people in the face for. So being able to make all of your opponents hit each other in the face, if stuff dies, your guy only costs one, now they get to modular ability onto their own creatures, put additional plus one counters. You continue the group thug theme of the deck, but you're doing it in this very shell of itself like neglected husband sort of way <laughs> and i really am here for it now, i'm not sure you've convinced me on this one because it just feels like as soon as it goes to the it's red super player, stretchy it's Zabaz super stretchy. Is gonna, like he's probably just gonna slap you and they're just gonna pay red and kill your dude that's what i do yeah i mean that's what you should do but brando think about it like imagine we're playing in a four pod you get handed Zabaz with a salt suit and you're like well, how do I not just smack someone in the face? Like, how do I just, like, say I'm not going to do that? I feel like you would not... You're Here's the thing. You're not going to spend your resources to get rid of Zabaz or the assault suit. But you're not going to spend your resources to get rid of it. Right? Well, it depends. Like, are we playing 1-1 one, one Zabaz? Or are we talking about the 9-9 nine, nine Zabaz that I've been building this whole, this whole thing, right? Like... Zabaz is going to be pretty big in my universe, and but the thing is, though, do you do, do you maybe pretend like, hey, Amy, if I don't get rid of Zabaz, I'll give it to you. Do you want to hit Josh for Zabaz damage? That's pretty funny, and she might be like, yeah, you know, I might do that, and it's like, cool, I'll let you That's keep on to it. Hey, third player James, are you going to be cool if Amy hits Jim with Zabaz, and it's like, yeah, fuck Jim, and it's like, all right, let's do this. That's where I think Zabaz and Assault Suit becomes this whole other mini game because it's not the normal Assault Suit where things just get passed around or you get to choose, like, do I want you to have it? It turns into this, am I going to give it to them and are they going to destroy Z Assault Suit then Zabaz? I hope not. I hope they just <laughs> hit this person and spend their mana doing something else. It's, it's just this whole other mini game and that's something that's a lot of fun in EDH is the mini game sure okay when you yeah. put it like that I'll, I'll give it to you i'm still skeptical but I'll oh it's have super sketchy super sweaty <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right well give us your round 25 what is your third to last card you think you need to add man i saved i saved one with a lot of words i'm gonna go bosri cat you're a bosri cat i totally had him as well yes there He's we go. so good. Three loyalty, white, white, one. Basri Planeswalker, plus one. You get a plus one, plus one counter on target creature. It gains indestructible until end of turn. So now your buddy's big, and your bug boy is just swinging in there doing some damage. Minus two, whenever a non-token creature you control attacks. For each one that is attacking, you get a one, one white soldier creature token that is tapped and attacking. <gasps> And for minus six, you get an emblem that says, <laughs> at the beginning of each upkeep, you get a soldier token, and then you put a plus one, plus one counter on each yeah. creature you control. Uh, you said, the real deal. You said a fucking ton, and you know the awesome thing is actually, I don't know where you saw this card. I saw this card on an article that Jason E. Alt did. Um, he was one of the very first guests we had on the channel. And he talked about liking the card. And I was like, I don't know. Like, Jason, he kind of made fun of us because, 
you know, at the time we lived in our parents' basement. We're like kind of like losers. But then I read the card. I'm like, damn, this thing's really sick. And it's super yeah. thick for this deck. I don't know how I could talk shit on it. Uh, why did you like want to talk about the card? Because, I mean, it's like, hey, I see other content creator talking about it. Oh, you seem interesting. And then I read more and it's like, oh, he knows way more than I do. <laughs> well, I mean, the, immediately the plus one is un, is unreal in this yeah. deck. And on the off chance, on the very off chance to actually get to that minus six, it's an uninteract with the Catherine's Crusade. And Catherine's Crusade can get out of hand real fast. And he and it just gives you a bigger and bigger and bigger army every turn all by himself. And to get to that, all you have to do is follow your game plan, which is make Zabaz big, make Zabaz fly, make Zabaz do damage to your opponent. I'm actually going to say this, uh, Brando. No one has ever said this out loud on an episode that I've been on. Uh -oh. I've never heard how Basri Ket is a three-mana mono-white, I win the game card. Because the minus two... Well, don't no, think about it, man. Minus two with Cathar's Crusade, I've never thought of that. Because usually it's, oh, um, whenever they deal combat damage, give them the things. The fact that you could minus two, then swing with Cathar's Crusade on the battlefield and maybe get ten triggers, ten plus one plus ones on the spot with your things already attacking to deal a hundred damage. My brain physically can't have you, have you seen, I I'm sorry, man. I'm really at a loss of words. Have you seen that happen? Cause that, that almost seems, and I'm not someone to use this word lightly. That seems ban worthy where Basri Ket and Cathar's crusade. You just win the game on the off chance that you have that happen. Yeah, it, it is that good. I mean, Cathar's Crusade is the problem, right? I'm not saying it's bannable. It's a, it's just a really, really good card. Yep, but and I would agree with that. In specific cases, Basri can really... It can it can next level your deck. And he's a card that you never see. I've never played against a Basri Ket ever in my life. I haven't and, either, yeah. And I, I play him in one deck, right? But, like, and maybe I should play him in more. Just set the be the, be the change I want to see. But, but I'm not. I'm going to be greedy, and I'm going to keep him all to myself. And I'll, I'll share it only with you good folks over here in the CMD Tower. Yeah, the funny thing, uh, Brando, before I move on to uh, my 26th pick, is the interesting is Basri Ket is actually the only deck I ever thought I would put it in is my Commander Esha deck, which I don't know if you're familiar with. Uh, Commander Esha is the two-colorless, white-white, protection from creatures, flying legend from back in Legends. Um and this is like, oh, this would be perfect. But it's like, wait, you have protection from creatures, so the indestructible isn't even matter. And so it is like this weird commander to where the plus effect, you want it on your Voltron creature, but then the minus two, you more want it in your go-wide creature decks. So it's definitely this Planeswalker that actually fits a lot of different molds. You just have to figure out what mold you want it in. I, th I think that one of the things that you have to look at with Indestructible, especially if you're going to play it in mono-white, which is a side of thing, making your creatures indestructible in mono-white is really good when you're going to wrath the board. Oh, oh, just being an asshole over here, just a little uh, wrath of God. Yeah, well, wrath of God never hurt anybody. Uh, like, just, I mean... Just, uh, sometimes you got to reduce the game to zero. Sometimes you have to do that. 
Sometimes it's just got to happen. I mean, look, I, I would like to speak on behalf of all people that have been wrathed by God, uh, whether that's in real life or in the imaginary life, uh, that probably didn't go how you thought. Uh, but you know what? Our second to last pick for me is going to go. I'm talking very basic at this point. I'm going Ossiger. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, Ossiger the Reconstructor. You have to do it for the deck. Two colorless Boros. That's red and white. Legendary creature, giant artificer. It's a mythic. It's a vigilance. Pay one. Sacrifice an artifact. Target creature you control gets plus two, plus zero oh, till end of turn. That's not why it's in the deck. It's in here for the X tap exile an artifact card with mana value x from your graveyard create two tokens that are copies of the exile card activate only as a sorcery um so the funny thing brando is initially when this card came out i misread it i thought the last effect was all the same stuff activate only as a sorcery with the clause of at the beginning of your next end step exile the cards from the battlefield that's really what I thought the card was. And I was like, this isn't that good. Like, you're getting the Boros immediate payoff, but you're not getting a long-term payoff. But then I saw the card played in real life, and I've reread it many times. And it's like, yeah. oh, if you make it work, this is probably one of the best Boros artifact cards in existence. It's so, exceptionally good, yes. And we did have even have people in our community, Brando, that said, well, if you guys are doing Zabaz, you probably should just do Ossiger. Oscar, he's better than Zabaz. And you guys are absolutely right. And that's yeah. why this card continues my theme of inherently group hug Boros that slides under the radar. <laughs> this is a card that was Zabaz in the command zone, and you play Ossiger out of the 99. People are going to be like, oh, well, Brando is probably just wanting a good card in the deck. He's not winning off Ossiger, but in all actuality, he probably is. So, Oscar, Oscar is going to get you there. I keep wanting to call him Oscar. Oscar is going to get you there. It's going to help you sacrifice your shitty artifacts early in the game until the late game when you can tutor up an Oscar or even just naturally pull it. Hey, I'm going to pay some mana. I'm going to tap. I'm going to bring that stuff back. And then what I've seen, and Brando, I'll pass it over to you. I usually see people when they activate Oscar and they get his train going, no one ever removes Oscar because the value he produces is too powerful that you have to remove the other pieces before you can actually worry about him. And I'm just going to follow all that up by saying double contagion engine and just be oh. done with it right there. Oh, oh. right. Like double, <laughs> oh God. double sort of truth and justice, double, I guess double shadow spear doesn't matter. Double Parhelion 2. Right? Uh, like, well, Parhelion's probably a legendary, I would think i guess it is that sucks yeah but the point what well, i was i was just about to google uh truth and justice because i i don't well, know the if swords, the swords are, the swords are, are they not? not legendary oh, okay they are not no, oh they're... that's right it's only a okay. uh, sort of the animus that's legendary yeah they're they're too uh what do you call it not good so even <laughs> yeah, blade of selves even blade of selves isn't legendary so you could like double blade of selves your zabaz very cool so yeah, guys, you could you could double a lot of this stuff. Um, just obviously be smart. Don't double your legendary, but <laughs> if you do, make sure they have ETB effects so you still get value. There we go. There it is. Brando, what's your second to last card you want to talk about? Let's do. Trying to, where the hell is it? Here? There he is. I figure I should probably do a modular creature at some point in this <laughs> list, and I pick. 
I've picked Arcbound Crusher. <laughs> oh, not not Arcbound Meower. I can't what? remember what card Tuck talked about. Oh, it was whatever card Tuck <laughs> talked about at the very beginning. It was like Arcbound Mouser. There we go. That's the one. It, Arcbound Crusher is a 0 0 for 4. Eh. Modular 1. Eh. With Trample. Oh. Oh. Whenever, whenever another artifact comes into play, not under your control, period, you put a plus 1 plus 1 counter on it. Uh, what? Yeah. That seems broken. Oh yeah, so if we ever were to play a Dockside Extortionist to get 8 treasures, he would get plus 8 plus 8. And since it's modular, those are counters for our Ozolith, those are counters for our Zabaz, etc, etc. So, the funny thing is, Brando, uh, Dockside was one of my cards, but I was like, I'm getting made fun of preemptively before even saying it, so I'm not going to talk about it. But then I see cards like this. Holy bananas, man. No, I, this shows the power this... of older cards. I put this in the deck because I knew one of you guys was going to play Dockside. Because I'm I'm good that way. And I, I knew somebody was going to do it. Because Arkbond Crusher, is a, it's a cool card, man. It's, you it, ain't lying. And again, I was kind of maybe hoping that somebody would do the infinite mana loop thing with Zabaz. And then we could have an infinitely big Arkbond Crusher, oh, too. Oh, God. But, you, you know, you, you, we're gonna, you win some, you lose some. And I'm going to take what I can get on this one. That's nice. Well, we're going on to round 27, and I'm going to finish out my last pick for this deck before we go to Brando and lightly hit on the stats of the deck. I'm sorry, buddy. I had to do it, and it's very lame, but I think Boros is still in that space where you have to have the good Boros Legends in the deck. Uh, it's kind okay. of like how I feel about Grixis. I feel like Grixis, you have to have... Uh, a nickel bolus in there. You have to have a Thraxum under in there. It's just, it, sure. there's just not enough of them in. So Alibu Ancient Witness, I think you have to have in here. You got to have it in the 99. Three colorless Boros, red and white. It's a four or five. It's a mythic legendary artifact creature golem. Other artifact creatures you control have haste. So it's now giving Zabaz haste. Sick. Whenever one or more artifact creatures you control attack, Alibu deals X damage to any number, and you scry X where X is the number of tapped artifacts you control. Here's kind of where I feel like this could be your backup commander in the deck. You're going to have lots of artifacts that are going to tap for a numerous amount of things. You're in Boros. Let's, let's not play. We're in bad colors for ramp and card draw. But Alibu is going to give the semblance of, when I see Alibu in the command zone, I've already experienced this, and I don't know if you have, Brando, where have. someone's like, hey, I'm going to swing with Alibu, and I deal 28 to you. And it's like, well, this sucked. I did not yeah. have fun. You played Mycosynth Lattice and won the game. That's basically what happened, and I couldn't do anything about it. And now we're going to play Mycosynth Lattice and win the game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we can do that. But here's the thing that I like about this card in this deck is it's we, depending on the point of the game that we play it, we can give the impression of, guys, uh, I'm just doing this for five mana Zabaz haste, and hopefully I can deal a damage or two and scry a card or two when I can. If you are a non-threatening enough person then that is going to pay off dividends. Because Alibu, as a secret tech commander, can really do a lot for a Zabaza deck. It's just, as we talked about in the beginning, there's some cards that you look at, and it's like, well, Alibu or Oscar would just be better Boros commanders than Zabaz. 
But Zabaz is the better secret tech commander of all of them. Because people will look at it and be like, I guess you're doing modular. I'm not that scared. And yes, you may never do modular, but you'll be doing this other stuff. Agreed. Yeah, that's... uh, That's what I got, man. Hey, man, you said it better than I could. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, why don't yeah, you man. give us your number 27 pick and the last card we should talk about for a Zabaz deck. Now, I feel like you went all the way to like the top end, top end of things, whereas I'm going to give one of my very favorite pieces of tech for a deck like this. We're going to have stuffy a creature doll. that's going to be attacking it and blocked all the time. Nah, Stuffy Doll. I already have a Brash Conjure. I don't need a Stuffy Doll. I'm talking about Infiltration Lens. Oh. You play your Infiltration Lens? It's, it's a put a buck now. It's an uncommon for, I think, Mirrodin Besieged, or Return to Mirrodin, whatever the hell it was. Anyway, it's a one-drop artifact equipment, equips for one. Whenever the equipped creature becomes blocked, draw two cards. That's pretty good, and if you couple it with the fighter class earlier where you can make creatures block that draws you cards, it also gives you, like, this, this is my commander, I'm doing... Eight damage to you for the third time. You're gonna die. I'm the Boros deck. I have no cards left in my hand. You might as well block my guy. And they do. And then you draw some cards, right? Like, it's just... It's one of those cards that I think gets... Under, it's not underplayed, but it's a card that could be in a lot more decks than it is. And maybe you can't afford a Skull Clamp. So play shitty Skull Clamp. I mean, you're not wrong. This is a shittier Skull Clamp. And the thing I love about this card, though, Brando, is that this fits my playstyle. To where Skull Clamp, you're kind of more doing the solitaire thing. And for me, if you're going to play solitaire and magic, you got to be winning the game. Not just, well, hopefully I draw cards and hopefully I win. Oh, I just wasted 10 minutes of everyone's time. Pass. Like, that That feels awful. It's just you hate that person even more. So something like this, it's like, hey, I'm shifting this around to each creature and I'm going to block... And I'm going to draw two cards off of it. Probably not going to win the game. But you know what? I'm blocking. I'm reducing my board state. Potentially reducing your board state for all of $1.50 or less. That's pretty awesome. And I can't believe I have never seen this card. It's in almost 5,000 decks. Blows my mind. It's It's a good card. And it's one of those ones where if you weren't playing during the set, you've probably never seen it. Because why would you? Skull Clamp exists, right? It's like uh, Treasure Nabber and Dockside. They're just, one vastly outclasses the other to a point where you just don't, you just don't see one. And it's sad, but it's the state of the game, my friend. It's the state of the game. Yeah, that's what happens when the game grows. Yeah. And they well, just guys. busted that shit. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of the chaos episode, and it was chaos, and you guys are at the end. We would love a five-star review. Whatever feedback you can provide on your consumption platform, whether it's YouTube, a podcast, and if you enjoyed it, leave that five-star review. If you hated it, you have to bury those feelings deep down in your soul and only communicate it in a very nice DM via Twitter so we can always improve because that's what we want to do. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us and find in more ways that you can communicate with the team, because you can do that. You can reach me at Number 5 on Twitter, all spelled out except for the five. You can reach Tuck at Big Tuck Tweety on Twitter as well. You can reach our main account at CMD Tower Twitter as well. There's a lot of wells here. Uh, we are not wells as in the Flash. We are in wells as in CMD Tower. If you want to go to the website, see the deck list, the cards that Brando talked about, all the ways you can get a hold of CCO and the rest of CMD Tower, head over to cmdtower.com slash bnbe118. 
Brando, if people would like to get a hold of your content, your patron, and the way that people can support you, how would they do that? If you'd like to support us on Patreon, we are patreon.com slash podcast. If you want to check us out anywhere on the internet, commandercookout.com is a great place to start. We're basically CCO Podcast on every platform that you can possibly find us on. If you want to follow just me on Twitter, I'm CCO Brando. If you're interested in my buddy Ryan, who obviously wasn't on this episode but is also fun, he is the CCO Podcast official account because he pays more attention to those things than I do. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm... I'm really happy I could have been here with you guys again. I'm always a big fan of being on shows like this, and I feel like like I was a, a pioneer, pioneering chaos drafting Whoa. with friends for the first time, right? Oh we did man! It. All the we made all it. the. Here's the weird thing is that we ended this episode in the most friendship way possible to where no one wants to not be on or talk to the other person, which I'm not going to lie. Usually when it comes to magic and opinions, people are like, oh, I'm cutting friendships left and right. If you hate what I think, I think I'm just going to cut you from everything. So I love the fact that we are all able to be adults and talk about a magic deck that doesn't even exist with our own thoughts and opinions. I think this deck could exist, and it would probably be fun to play. Honestly, I think it would be. I, I'm, <laughs> How about I'm this? here to say it. It would be chaos to play. It would be absolute Aww. nonsense, and no one would know what's happening. Agreed. Yes. Yes. Well, if you guys would like to support us on Patreon, you can head over to patreon.com slash cmdtower. We have four different tiers from literally a dollar a month all the way up to 25 bucks a month. Uh, you guys can get access into the Discord. You can end up in here asking questions to Brando about his episodes when he comes out, along with our other guests that we do have. Please go ahead and join. You know, definitely any contribution amount definitely goes towards the overhead costs and anything else we kind of do for the channel. Now... Here's the big thing, boys. Episode 118, the Bruise and Builds the Boss of the Chaos Draft featuring CCO Brando. So, Brando, you've been on a couple episodes before. This is your first Chaos Draft. Don't give us any thoughts about the Chaos Draft because I already know it went way too long. But here's what I want. This was a different way to do a podcast episode than you maybe have done before. And it was a, probably a different way to build the deck. How do you feel like this went do you feel like the people going in blind created this like agnostic different approach or do you almost feel like going in blind was like damn we were all over the place and if we had had even a line of direction we probably would have been a little bit more focused which one are you i think that we hit it right on the sweet spot of we're going to encourage people to build a deck like this like the three of us if left to our own devices would have built three different decks yes and if you look at what we came up with at the end here you can see all three lines in them and they work together well enough that the deck could be cohesive but you can really see the three strategies that we hit on and if you're going to build something like this yourself you're free because it's a game and it's supposed to be creative and fun to just expand on whatever parts you like and like minimize the parts that you don't. So I think this is a great exercise in how to build like an off the beaten path commander that isn't solved, right? Like everybody's gonna look at Zabaz and think that thing's a piece of shit. And we just proved right here over the last few hours that there are three totally relevant, totally viable ways to build this commander. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, and I actually think, you know, Brando, to your point, 
the way that you and Tuck came about this are probably the more feasible routes to the go, where mine, like, I'm trying to thieve not in blue is a little bit of that fringe. <laughs> and I think that actually shows the beauty of Commander, to where, hey, if you guys want to build a very viable deck, here's a direction you can go. If you're trying to stretch your limits a little, here's a direction you go. And hey, if you're trying to just completely mind screw everyone at your LGS, here's another direction you can go. And all the directions have bits and pieces that work on their own, work together, and cannot work together to where you get your own individuality with the deck, which is really what we want with Commander. We don't want people to all build the pre-con from 2016 Atraxa. That's not what we're looking for. No. We as content creators are looking for, I want to sit down with your Olivia Crimson Bride deck that's not even Vampire Tribal. Like, that's something I'm trying to build right now. <laughs> Non-Vampire Tribal Olivia, how do I do it? And if I sit down with you at a Vegas and you're like, hey, Mr. Combo, I got this weird-ass Atraxa build. doesn't have anything to do with counters at all. It's all, like, fate-based and, like, weird, obscure <laughs> things that you've never even heard of. I'm like, oh, I'm here for it. Like, let's bring it on. I want to see that. So definitely take these chaos drafts and the different directions that you see and create your own stamp on it. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Bye bye. Is that it?